Well, Margaret, here we are at Disney World Campgrounds. Yay! All right, you little beggars. Here, you get out. All right. Get over there to the campsite. Hurry up now. Come on, Mavis. Teddy, sissy. June, you get over there. Harry, Tony, run over in that area. Just, just move around at will. That's all right. Pick up some sticks and some firewood. Hello and welcome to That Park Life Podcast. I am Greg, joined as always by... I'm Beth, and I'm here That's chilling. You. That's Beth. That is, How many here. kids did that, uh, did that family have in the mm-hmm. opening thing? It's like Tito, Jermaine, LaToya, Michael, everyone hop out of the car. So I'm going to say there was eight. I don't know. I'm just making that up, but it sounded about eight. Yeah, something like that. Of that. What was is... that sound clip from? I was just going to say, that's from the opening day special that aired on NBC mm. in 1971, in October of 1971. And uh, we're going to come back to that, especially those two characters, because the the father, I don't think, is named in that segment. And Margaret continued their conversation from where they left off when the kids left. Mm-hmm. And it is Bizarro World, and I can't wait to share Weird. it. And, and I encourage everyone to go watch the video. It starts at about 16 minutes and 30 seconds. It's the If you type in opening day Walt Disney World, it'll come up in a second on YouTube. Yeah. I'll include a link in this episode description because it was made in the 70s. I'll leave it at that. Right. Brought to you in Technicolor. Yes. It's right. outrageous. So uh, we had a fun, a fun event, you know, later in the week last week. We did mm-hmm. our Disney trivia night number two with our theme of Epcot. We had uh, three winners total. So shout out to Rachel, Megan, and Jesse who are all... Uh, receiving some things all of your prizes are already in the mail and on yeah, their way to you and i'm excited about it uh do you want to know what else i'm excited about yeah tell me uh paul and amanda from two happy haunts had a baby they yes. had a little baby haunt. Burr, burr, burr. Burr, burr. Um, i didn't i did see that they gave uh gave us a little shout out or gave you a shout out for the onesie and i was like oh my god that onesie is so cute and then i read down and i was like oh it's from greg <laughs> I thought that was so awesome, and I just love because what did it say? Like little baby haunt, said, or what did it say? It said little happy haunt. I little thought happy it would be funny because right. obviously their username on Instagram is at yes. two happy haunts, and um, I know Paul was a little bent that he couldn't get three happy haunts, the number three, because someone already has it, and they're like a defunct oh. Instagram account, oh, which I hate is the that. reason why we weren't Park Life Podcast because of a yeah. defunct yeah. Instagram account. But anyway, who cares? You know what? Go ahead and grab go ahead and grab that TikTok then. <laughs> Maybe yeah. those people will finally <laughs> give it up. Oh, God. Grab that needed... domain name, Paul. You got to do it. I just figured a uh, little little Maggie needed yeah. a um, a little reference to Haunted Mansion. That's the whole vibe. So she's she's uh, already living in style. We're gonna preface this just for you guys. They're first time parents, so this is such a big deal because this first baby, it's first little yeah. haunt. I mean, at some point, maybe <laughs> there'll be like five happy haunts, but whatever. We're not gonna put that in the universe yet. I'm just saying. Yeah, who knows? Uh, maybe we should probably listen to this like five. But they're... they're gonna be like, excuse so, me, um, back up. Yeah, back it all the way up. I do want to uh, welcome some new listeners because as we continue mm-hmm. to grow here, you know, obviously we can tell when we, we're getting like batches of new listeners. Um, if you're new to us, hey, we are Greg and Bath. We do this thing every single week. We talk about Disney tips, tricks, tricks, all kinds trivia, of things, all kinds of things. And right now we're um, in the middle of or in progress of a Disney resort rundown. So we're our mm-hmm. third resort today is Fort Wilderness. We're going to continue yep. on in order of when they were opened. Yeah, and if you like sarcasm and you like singing and you like snarky comments and fart noises <laughs> and stupid giggling, like we are here for you on the weekly, okay? I'm just going to throw, um, throw that out. I really appreciate you bringing up fart sounds because I haven't, I feel like we haven't done one in a while, so here's just a quick little. Okay. Yeah. We're, just, we're just not too old for them is what we're trying to say, nope, you know what I mean? That's pretty much, that's pretty yeah. much it. Man, okay, so we've got lots, we have lots of stuff to cover today. I told Greg earlier that my brain hurts because originally going into this, I was like, okay, it's Fort Wilderness, like campground. I feel like there's not going to be hardly any information on this. And I'm now at the point where I'm like, there's so much stuff out there to do and so many things to talk about that I don't even think we're going to, like, I'm pretty sure I'm leaving out a bunch of stuff. So okay. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> there are actually some fun facts that I didn't know about. Um, so... Without further ado, then, I think we should jump right in. And you're right. There's quite a bit of history on Fort Wilderness. But if you think about it, at the time, it was unlike 
or it was obviously very unlike the two other resorts that had opened at Disney World. So like they were definitely trying something new. And I think with that comes like a lot of interesting history about this resort. I'm going to start with what Disney says, because that's what we like to do, right? We like to start with what Disney says. Mm -hmm. Nestled on 750 acres of pine and cypress forests, Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground evokes the timeless beauty of the American frontier, teeming with such wildlife as deer, ducks, armadillos, and rabbits. The resort welcomes you to delight in scenic woodland trails, exciting pool areas, rootin' tootin' entertainment, and hearty country eats. They don't tell you about the animals that come and fly to your arms when you start singing outside, because that happens too. I've heard about it. It's a real life Snow White. By the way, did they say something about rootin' tootin'? Rootin' tootin'. Yep. <laughs> See? I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> rootin' tootin'. Um, so that's what the Disney website says. I'm going to give you kind of like a some history rundown here and I'm going to shout out to some websites because normally I'm like, I got all this information from Wikipedia, but Wikipedia didn't have too much going on. So I kind of had to pull this from different places. So a lot of this information about to tell you right now is from mouseplanet.com, which thank you so much for this information. Um, So true to style, Disney wanted the campground to be a new and a different experience that would be unlike any other. Uh, According to Marty Scholar's book, he wrote a book called dream it, do it. There uh, was an operations chief named Dick Nunes, I want to say is the mm-hmm. name. Um, and he talked to, called in this other guy named Keith Camback. I had to look up some a lot of pronunciation of things today, y'all. We're going to get to it. Uh, <laughs> Keith Camback was a Disneyland employee. He had a degree in recreation. They basically asked, like, hey, do you have any experience doing campground stuff? And he was like, no, I don't have any. And so he clearly thought, like, oh, well, I'm going to be out because I don't have an experience with that. But they thought... Um, you know, to the contrary, this is actually going to be a good thing for you. So um, they, you know, just explained to him, we wanted something new. We want something better. We don't want to simply like follow current kind of guidelines. So what they did was they sent him out on a six month research trip to tour the, um, tour the country's campgrounds, which I thought is awesome. So they basically were like, you're going to take a six month trip. You're going to go to all these campgrounds around the United States. You're going to learn, Um, and kind of observe like best practices from each. And we're basically going to take all of those things and put them together in this campground, um, which I thought was awesome. He also made him take environmental classes, which I thought was really cool. Cause I mean, a lot of people forget about how environmentally friendly Disney likes to be. They do Mm -hmm. care about those things. So they made him take classes, um, which would just kind of help with the development and the philosophy of the campgrounds and stuff like that, like how it should be built, how they should use the land and all of those things. Cause when you're doing that, it does matter, especially when you're using wild land. Um, yeah. So he he did this six-month-long trip, and then he got to Florida in the spring of 1971 and basically, like, came in and was like, all right, this is the land that's going to be – that's, you know, where it's going to be done. It obviously was untouched wild lands, as most of Disney World was when they first started all this. Like, all this land was just there. And in the meantime, like – the opening of Walt Disney World was like months away. So he shows up, they're working on this project. Kind of one of the downsides was that a lot of his team, when they were trying to put this park together, uh, this part of the park together got taken off of his project and moved to hotels because they were trying to get things done before Mm. the resort actually opened. So it kind of became lower on the priority, like his team became smaller. And then there's like a story that they tell because he was losing his construction workers and stuff like that. He kind of had to come up with like different ways to kind of get around that. So he moved in by setting up a trailer and living on site. So he basically stayed there all the whole time that they were doing this. And uh, this just talked about how in the same book by Marty Scholar, he talked about how he recalled an interview that as an interview like with Camback that he was talking about how the priority shifted away from the project. So he had to devise more and clever ways to get materials right. And this included what he called appropriating tools and materials intended for other places within Walt Disney World. So often in the evening hours when everybody else had gone home, he, Keith and his crew, they would like take spy materials and stuff that they needed. Um, And like basically they would steal materials from other sites that they couldn't get them like more so by official means. So they were like, he and his men would go out at night by boat or truck and they would like load up stuff and take back to the campground for their projects. Oh my gosh. Um, And they said, I know. And he said antics like this actually earned his crew the nickname Camback's Raiders. Oh. So like if they can't, I guess it was just like known if they came in and things were gone, they were like, oh man, the Raiders got it. One infamous raid arose when Camback needed office equipment. He couldn't get any. So he knew the legal department always seemed to be able to get anything it needed. So late one night, they raided the legal department office and carted off like a desk and all of his office (laughs) furniture. (laughs) 
According to Kambach, they even unloaded all the filing cabinets and drawers and left the contents stacked up on the floor. And it says he humorously recalled that he wasn't sure if the legal department ever figured out what happened. I was going to say, imagine you just show up for your job that day. Like you go in, you you punch in, you go to your desk, and your desk is just missing and all your stuff is there on the floor. Yeah. They're like, what the hell? This, this is like a boys will be boys situation here. Yeah. They were able to open like months later with 250 campsites. Um, it's just like, you know, has a rustic appeal. It's comfortable theming, a pristine setting in the Florida naturescape. Um, it basically became a hit like ASAP. So it officially yeah. opened on November November 19th, 1971. This resort is adjacent to Bay Lake. All right. So I'm gonna we're going to talk a little bit of like construction and stats. A lot of this information comes from chipandco.com. Um, they also mentioned a Dick Klein, who is a Walt, a Walt Disney Imagineer that helped design the property as well. So that name was also thrown out. I want to give credit where credit's okay. due there. I'm ready for a little verbal timeline from you. So yes, hit us here with we it. go. 1973. The Fort Wilderness Railroad began offering uh, steam train transportation services to guests staying in the campground. So let me read that again, because I was yeah. like, hold on, what? Fort Wilderness Railroad began mm-hmm. offering steam train transportation services to guessing at the camp- campground. So you could actually get on like a real train. Yeah. The train um, opened in 1973. It closed in 1977. It featured four different five car steam engines that burned diesel fuel based on plantation locomotives that had once operated in Hawaii and elsewhere. The trains were designed and built internally by Walt Disney Imagineering. They had four locomotives. They were painted green with red trim and gold stripping striping. I don't know why I said stripping. Striping. You got stripping um, on the brain. I know. So <laughs> Strip on the brain. Okay, you know me so well, Greg. Uh, locomotive stats were, it says the scale was four to four-fifths or four-five. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? I think what I, that means is that the locomotive, as opposed to like a regular train would be, that it was four-fifths of the size. So 80% okay. of the size of a normal locomotive. <sighs> Thank you for that. Um, I don't do math things. Uh, the length of them were 18 feet, three inches. They weighed 22,700 pounds. It says the track gauge was 30 inches. The length was 3.5 miles. And then the max Mm. speed that the trains would take were 10 miles per hour. Um, it says that two of the former Fort Wilderness coaches were refurbished and used as ticket booths at the downtown Disney Pleasure Island, but then they were later replaced with permanent buildings and the two coaches were sold at auction to private individuals. Um, this also says that one of the train locomotives is on display at the winter garden heritage museum, which I feel like, I feel like I've seen that before. Like, I feel like maybe I've seen footage of that and like seen it, but maybe not. So that was 1973 with the train. I just thought that was cool. I'm like, just, can you imagine like a real train going around into the like campground? There are a lot of YouTube videos out there on the abandoned railroad Mm. of Fort Wilderness. There's a lot of good ones out there. But anyway, one thing I, I learned is that one of the primary train stations was the Meadow Trading Post. We're going to get to all the gift shops mm-hmm. and stuff, but I've walked that tr- that trading post so many times, and now that I know there was a railroad there, I want to like investigate yeah. a little bit more because it's so yeah. cool to think that there was a train. And eventually, I think they wanted the train to take you to another place, but the place was never built. Right. They wanted you, but not to not to Magic Kingdom, by the way. The they already had a boat taking you to Magic Kingdom, and they already mm-hmm. had um, like the bus transportation system. Anyway, they were going to take you to another town, um, like an old timey saloon kind mm-hmm. of a like old western town, basically that was supposed to sit somewhere between where Fort Wilderness is now and Magic Kingdom, and they say okay. kind of where Wilderness Lodge is. Um, now yeah. that new things have happened, I'm guessing it's where Reflections was announced to be built which is between Wilderness and Fort Wilderness. Yes. Uh, I'm yeah. guessing it would have been closer to there. It obviously never happened, but they had this big giant plan for this resort to not only it be kind of all-inclusive essentially, but then take you to like another destination that wasn't a park. Like it was going to be a, a functioning looking town. Yeah. Which of course didn't happen, but interesting. Awesome. Right. That's a really cool idea if you think about it. But I also, I mean, I can imagine that it got really expensive because I mean, we mm. all know diesel fuel ain't cheap and just having yeah. that like continuously running, I'm sure... Once they like figured out all these other systems of being able to move people, it was like, we got to save money where we can. So um, that was 1973. Okay, so 1974, Pioneer Hall opened. And um, this was when an original version of the the Hoop-Dee-Doo Musical Review review started, uh, which was performed by the All-American Musical Comedy Workshop, which was a group of college students um, at the time. And... I guess they did like a short run and it just says that the success of the short run actually led to the permanent show 
of with professional performers. And so the like permanent professional show opened on September 5th of 1974, which is so long ago. I know. And I hope that they bring that back. Cause let me tell you something. Mm. Hoop Doo musical review is so much fun. Um, I did it when I was younger and then we did it last year in our February trip with Doug's family for the first time. And I was so nervous because it was something that I had picked out. Like, I was like, I really want to do this. I think it would be fun. Mm -hmm. Like y'all have never done this before. Um, so I was super nervous because I was like, if they don't like it, I'm going to hear it. And (laughs) everybody had such a great time. Like it was so much fun. So we decided then we were like, okay, this is going to be like our new, we have to do this every time. Um, cause like Ohana is like our ride or die at this point, but I feel like this is going to be added to that. So if you haven't done it, it is so much fun to do and it's like yeah. fun for everybody. So, um, so that was 1974, 1976, the Fort Wilderness Kennel opened, uh, which I didn't even know that this existed. No, um, but basically it's a dog kennel. Yeah. Like a puppy palace. Um, <laughs> puppy 19. Palace. Yeah. So that's 1976. Then in 1986, they like their whole expansion was complete. So they have 363 sites that were freed up by relocating a bunch of trailers. And Pioneer Hall also began Melvin the Moose Breakfast Show. So I just found this video. By the way, this is an old-timey video. Um, obviously, it's from a long time ago. Here we go. Well, that was all right, but it's hurt on the skinny side. Yeah, it was. Now, folks, when we here at Pioneer Hall say howdy, the neighborly thing for all of you to do is to shout howdy back, okay? Let's try that again, Professor. are very into it oh I, I love hearing the little kid yeah they're going for it and um i'll see if i can post this video too because it's wild it looks just like it's the same pioneer hall like it's just so strange to see right. it so long ago like it just reminds you a lot of the hoop doo review but like yes. on an older scale so yeah yeah um yeah so that was 1986 and then in 1996 so like wasn't really a lot going on for about 10 years. Crockett's Tavern at Fort Wilderness went from a full-service restaurant to a themed full-service bar. 1997 was when the campground began replacing the wilderness homes with log cabins. That's when they started, like, upgrading things was in 97. Okay. So now we're going to talk talk about just kind of, like, facilities, when things were added, stuff like that. So at opening of 1971, this is what was open when they first opened. So it was the Settlement Trading Post the Tricircle D Ranch, the Fort Wilderness Landing, the Nature Trail, Reception Outpost, Bike Barn, and then they had six loops, three comfort stations, and 232 campsites. So if you think about timeline, like that's still a lot in the like time frame that they had um, of 1971. So then in 1973, they added a permanent reception outpost because before it was a temporary trailer. Um, The Meadow Trading Post, they added... Let's see. Then it was 13 new loops, which wow. like was 482 additional sites. Um, and then obviously we talked about the Fort Wilderness Railroad was added in 73, 74, Pioneer Hall, which we talked about. Um, and then it says the Trails in Buffeteria and Campfire Snack Bar was added in 74. Buffeteria. I think maybe Buffeteria. But either way, it doesn't yeah. make the area sound like a place I want to go eat. It's just a cafeteria that's a buffet style. I'm like, yeah. it's the same thing. But anyways, uh, 76, we talked about the kennel. They had two loops and an additional 111 campsites. 1978, uh, permanent cast services building was added there. In 1981, a permanent bike barn facility was there because it was temporary when they first opened. 1985, seven loops and an additional 363 campsites. There's so many campsites. Um, the recreation facility, which was a pool, a snack bar, video game room, tennis courts, and that was near the Meadow Trading Post. So I think that's what they were mm-hmm. talking about before we talked about yeah. the whole complex. Um, and then pool and laundry facilities were also open near the loops. And those were all 1985. And then in 97 was when the homes began being replaced, as we talked about. So that's why, I mean, I guess 750 acres, like, that's a bit crazy. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, I'm like, it doesn't even, I mean, Greg's going to talk a little bit about, like, what you can do there. But there's mm-hmm. so many things to do. I, I mean, I was so going through many. another list and I was like, oh, my gosh. So I'm going to talk about just some fun facts and then I'm going to like be quiet so you can quit hearing my voice. Um, there is a tree called the lawnmower tree mm. and it has lawnmower parts exposed. There is a blade which is relatively easy to see near the base. Um, it's located about 100 feet away from the marina building. It says it's five feet off the path leading from Pioneer Hall to the marina. 
and there's a sign which describes the tree. So there's basically just a rant. Have you, did you know about this? Yes. I learned about it in doing some research for this, but they basically just found it. Like they found that there was an abandoned lawnmower and a tree started to like grow around it. You know how trees can do yeah. that thing sometimes yeah. where they kind of like absorb it partially. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of let it go and see what it did. And then boom, it was the lawnmower tree. So during the 70s, Fort Wilderness, they didn't uh, guess they didn't have to go past the edge of their campsites for grocery supplies. So two, they called them FOTs, which were funny old trucks, traveled from site to site each morning and evening, selling fruits and vegetables, bakery goods, milk and the like from built in racks and crates. One wow. truck was made from parts of several other vehicles and the other was an actual antique, a 1928 AA Ford. Guests knew the trucks were coming by the sounds of an old auga car horn <laughs> or a cowbell clanging just beyond the trees. So I'm That's like, that awesome. is so cool. Can you imagine like waking up and you're like, oh, the truck's going to come by and you can get yeah. like some supplies. We don't even have that today. It's like, no, we I have mean, yeah, the you ice got, cream man. You got Uber Eats, but it ain't like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, this is so old timey. You know, simpler times in the 70s. I just thought that was really cool. You think it was a front? Do you think they were also selling, like, it was the 70s. They are selling cigarettes Drugs. and, yeah, and, and some pot in the back of the well, truck. Well, that's probably why it just says things of the like, you know. I'm things like, well, the, that yes. could mean anything. Uh, <laughs> you know, if anybody knows and has any stories about these, we'd love to hear them. Um, let's see. And then some of you know about this, but Minnie Moo, who was a Holstein cow, born with a silhouette of Mickey's ears on her side. She arrived at Disney World in 1990 from Minnesota, and she lived at Grandma's Duck Farm at Magic Kingdom and then was moved to the petting farm at the Tri-Circle D Ranch at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground. Um, so that was in the 90s. Sorry, in 1990, a little bit later, she was moved. And then in 2001, she died at age 15. We talked about Minnie Moo before. Yes. Um, because she did have that famous Mickey silhouette. This one comes to you from Xanaland.com. Uh, did you know about the area called Marshmallow Marsh? No. Have you heard of this? Okay, I think this was like more original because they did post a picture of like what's left of it now. And I think I I was trying to like copy it, but it wouldn't let me copy the photo. But Marshmallow Marsh was an area of Fort Wilderness. It's no longer accessible to guests, but it was originally a ticketed nighttime event, apparently, where guests boarded canoes and paddled to a faraway corner of Fort Wilderness alongside Bay Lake. It says, while paddling, they sang old American songs, which continued when they arrived at the marsh around the campfire. Marshmallows would be roasted with a perfect view of the electrical water pageant, because um, the water pageant goes by, it stops near Fort Wilderness Banks. Yeah. And then it says guests would then paddle back to the other side to get back to their campsites. Uh, the events ended in the early 80s, but the area was still able to be reached by a bridge until very recently. Um, and then my last fun fact, which I had no idea about, is the that the Tri-Circle D Ranch is home to the Dragon Calliope. And I was like, I have no idea what this means. Um, so if you want to know what a Calliope is, well, and it says the Dragon Calliope, and it's because of the design that's actually on it. Um, it is a horse-drawn musical instrument, and it was purchased for the Mickey Mouse Club Circus Parade for Disneyland Park back in the 1950s. Uh, it came to Disney World for the Tencennial celebrations that they had. And... So I was like, okay, that's great, but what exactly, like, what for real is it? But it's a calliope is a keyboard instrument resembling an organ, but with the notes produced by steam whistles, and it's used chiefly on showboats and in traveling fairs. It's crazy. It just basically looks like a huge, like, royal wagon almost, but it's an actual musical instrument. Um, but yeah, and it's calliope. I did have to look. That was another pronunciation that I was like, calliope? <laughs> I don't know what this is. Calliope. Um, but it's calliope. So... Yeah, it's it's one yeah, of those old timey things that's steeped in tradition, and of course, it's being preserved. Yeah, um, in lots of places, and for a while yeah. in Fort Wilderness. And I didn't preface this before, but the the Tricircle D Ranch is obviously where the horses are. That's like where the yes, um, you can do. There's like trail rides, and or you can just ride them around like at the ranch. So, another thing on the list to do at the Wilderness Campground. And that's actually home to some of the horses that you'll see. When they're not in, when they're not on the clock, let's say in Magic Kingdom, like in the horse-drawn, yeah, um, either the trolley or the other things, like the one that is carting uh, Merida around right now in the cavalcades, their true home is over at Fort Wilderness. Their storyline on the website is that they are like Cinderella's horses. Mm-hmm. So, stick Magical. that in your pocket. Um, I do have one fun fact that I found. That okay. did you know that Fort Wilderness had an honorary mayor, and his name was Joe Scully. And when I tell you this, my takeaway was, man, did this guy work? But here, this is why he was called the mayor of Fort Wilderness. From Mm -hmm. April 
1994, there was an article uh, in a publication called Destination Disney that highlighted mm-hmm. this guy. Apparently, from 1972, at least through 1994, when this article was, was published, Joe Scully was a guest. He would show up around Christmas time and stay through Easter. So he would have a, what is that, a four, four or month. five month four month stay. Hiatus. Yeah, um, every season for t- at least two decades. And in March of 1994, so right before that article was published, he received a plaque um, that officially t- gave him the title of Honorary Mayor of Fort Wilderness. He was awesome. presented this plaque by cast members. So like it was a, uh, it was like an official, unofficial thing, right? Like yeah. you can't literally be a mayor of a non-town. Right. But Disney right. acknowledged his presence and like gave him like an honorary thing. At the time, at that time in 1994, he was in his 80s. And now wow. his ghost just haunts every guest at Fort Wilderness, yes. So if you hear a little rustling of leaves, it's Joe. Yeah. If you're one of his grandchildren and you want to tell us more about him, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, um, yeah that's a really cool story, actually. Okay. As promised, I do want to go back to the clip from the television special that aired on NBC to promote the opening of Walt Disney World, where we left off in the beginning of this episode was that the kids left the car, right? They went to go play in somewhere in Fort Wilderness. And then now the mom and the dad are left in the car. And just a little bit of setup, the mom had driven the whole way. And the dad is now turning towards the mom. Her name is Margaret. And decides to just have an open dialogue about their drive. Well, Margaret, we made it to the campgrounds. That wasn't too bad a drive, was it? After all, it was only two days and two nights from Fort Smith. I didn't bug you too much, did it? Margaret, well, what about me sitting on this side all the time going bumpity-bumpity-bumpity-bump? Wasn't easy for me. I guess you must have hit a thousand chuckles between Fort Smith and here. Oh, come on, Margaret. Huh? Listen, let me tell you something. We didn't do this vacation for me or the kids. We did this for you, Margaret, so you could get out of that hot, sweaty kitchen and have the fun of your life right here in Disney World. Huh? (laughs) Guys... Obviously, that was from a while ago, and maybe we wouldn't normally now talk about how, you know, women belong in the kitchen and whatnot, but that was a real-life commercial, and if you want to see the full bonkers version of that, uh, it continues. It really, and I'm not even making this up, it gets even weirder. The kids come over and try to massage the woman's hands so that she is able to operate more as a human and less of a zombie. Again, I'll put a link to the clip of the video in the episode description if you decide you want to go down the opening day video rabbit hole you are more than welcome let's talk about this resort more in terms of its category and some of the things Mm -hmm. i normally cover so technically the cabins at fort wilderness are considered a moderate resort and then the rest of it doesn't really have a category they're just the campsites at fort wilderness because they're not really a deluxe value or villa because they're really not it's not a room right you're not in a building the price range is pretty interesting, and I split it between the lots and the cabins because obviously the cabin and a lot are they're two totally different things, so it wouldn't really right. be fair. So the regular camping lots range anywhere from $65 on a weeknight in the cheapest season all the way to $260 a night, which is wow. expensive for a campsite. I mentioned on the previous times, too, that usually the most expensive um, price in our range is usually the week of Christmas, that week between Christmas yeah. and New Year's, normally on a Friday or a Saturday. So. If you want to spend $260 a night for a campsite, you can do so in December. That is the highest price. The cabins range from $368 a night to $711. So it could get pretty pricey. Um, And we'll talk more about the size of the cabins and the lots too. Actually, we'll do that right now. A tent or a pop-up site is 10 by 25 feet, which I've heard from some people who do tent camping. And they say it's a pretty Mm -hmm. decent size. I'll take their word for it. Um, that ranges from 65 to $162. Next up is a full hookup campsite. So this at this point, you're bringing a camper or okay. a trailer of some kind. That's 10 by 50. That goes from about $98 to $197. A preferred campsite, same setup, you're just in a better location, closer to a bus, mm-hmm. closer to a, a gift shop, uh, one of the, the shops there. Then there's the premium campsite, which has a lot of 18 feet by 60 feet. So this is your biggest lot, the premium campsite. For 117 to 227. Not only that, there is a premium meadow campsite. So as you mentioned, like the meadow trading post has the recreation center. It's like the big mm-hmm. um, area that has the gift shop, 
a little snack bar in the pool and whatnot. It's the same size lot, it's just that you're closer to it, and that ranges 124 to 260. The cabins, on the other hand, range from, like I mentioned, the 368 to 711. They're 504 square feet. It's pretty big. I mean, that's bigger than a traditional hotel room, not as big as like a one or a two bedroom villa for the DVC room. So it's pretty big. Yeah. It sleeps six. It contains one queen bed, one bunk bed, and that's all in the the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And then in the living room, there is a full size pullout sofa. And those are in loops 2200 to 2800 of Wilderness Lodge. Nope. Of Fort Wilderness. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of places to eat. Um, of course, right now at the time of this recording, not everything is operating, but we're kind of going right. here with things that are normally operating. You mentioned Crockett's, Crockett's, Crackers, Crockett's Tavern, which is actually mm-hmm. open right now. P and J's Southern Takeout, and that's the area. That's their quick service restaurant. You can get um, your food mobile ordered there right now. And if you've ever been to the Trails End Restaurant, which is the full sit down restaurant mm-hmm. there. Um, that is truly, when it opens, the best bang for your buck for a Disney buffet. It is the least expensive breakfast and dinner buffet. They don't really do lunch, but on the weekends, at least they used to. We'll see how it rolls out when they come back. Um, they would do a brunch kind of a thing. So you can have mm. basically unlimited chicken and waffles if that's right. your thing, if you go for right. brunch. Seriously. Um, but the quick service there is actually kind of share space right there. They share a kitchen. So you can wind up getting um, really a lot of overlap food between P&J Southern Takeout, the quick service, Trails End, the restaurant that's in there. And then right next door is the Pioneer Hall, which is home to Hoop to Do Review or back in the day, the Moose Show or the Chippendales, whatever. So -hmm. a lot of times you can get the same fried chicken or cornbread or ribs that you can get at the two table service. Or or baked beans. Or baked beans. Beans, beans are good for your heart. If you want to keep your whole family awake in your little tiny camper or cabin, you can do that. Um, I've eaten at most of these places. I don't know that I've gotten the quick service takeout from P&J's, but we've had plenty of meals at Trails End. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, we are missing it. Nicole and I are big fans of Trails End. It's just just good stuff, and uh, we miss it. Um, And, of course, we've had um, a few meals at Pioneer Hill for Hoop to Do Review. And I'm sure I've mentioned this along the way, um, but for those of you that are new, we were lucky enough to go to... I think we did hoop to do twice and both times nicole was chosen to be a participant in the show she was the can can girl yeah. twice She's and hardcore. well i think maybe the guy was kind of hitting on her but well i told you doug's mom got chosen when we went too yes so Which fun is, it's it yeah. i mean the very first i had been when i was a kid but it was nicole's first time and she was chosen so like the joke is yeah essentially every time she's gone she's been chosen so that's our our chosen that's our expectation yeah. now is she's just a part of the show <laughs> Well, and uh, fun fact or hot tip, you know, the more people you have, the better because you get to sit closer. Like the bigger tables basically are like yes. a little bit closer to the stage. So, yes. You know. And the um, show itself does have a tiered restaurant seating arrangement. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be on the main floor, that is a higher cost than up on the balcony. So they have different tiers there. I will say I've only ever done it on the main floor. I yeah. am not saying it's necessary. I'd say we had a great time. We happen to get the lucky table, and I'm not going to tell you why it's lucky, but there's a little time in the show where something happens right right there. Yeah. And uh, that was our first time. And then the second time, we were so we were right next to it. So I feel like we got good seats. But honestly, if you're as long as you're in the building, kind of like a concert, right? You can still have a great time if you're up in the nosebleeds. Yeah, everything's like feels close. Just because you may not be on the front or up in the balcony, like you still actually feel close. Yeah. So... It's not that big of a restaurant. And um, throughout the show, at least at one point that I remember, the characters or the performers were up on the uh, Mm -hmm. the second floor with you. So um, Mm -hmm. there are two places to do your shopping. We've been mentioning the Meadow Trading Post. That is my favorite one. That's kind of in the center-ish of the property. The other one is the Settlement Trading Post. That is in the same area as the P&J's Takeout, the Pioneer Hall. That's right up against the shore of Fort Mm -hmm. Wilderness. That's where you'd get on the boat to head over to... Magic Kingdom or Fort Wilderness or Wilderness Lodge or the Contemporary over there. Plenty of recreation to do here. Yes. Guys, this is like a highlight version of the list because we could probably do 10 minutes on things to do. It's literally like anything you can think of. They're like, yep, got that. I mean, you got anything. (laughs) So some highlights. You can do a horse drawn carriage ride, horseback riding. You could I could finally make my dream come true. Haven't done it yet, but maybe I will of doing a pony ride. 
They have plenty of fishing excursions, guided or independent.、Mm-hmm. A lot of bass fishing.、Um, Bay Lake is known、yeah. for its bass population. That's something that's we've been talking about too. A lot of bass,、um, especially when we talked yeah, about our contemporary. Lots of bass. <laughs> bass, as far as the eye can see. And you know me, I'm a, I'm a bass guy. So、uh, you can do canoe rentals. You can rent kayaks. I think I lost Beth. Um, basically, if it floats or has wheels, you can probably do it at、yeah. Fort Wilderness. And also,、um, you can、we'll、just post... use your own use your own feet and walk around everywhere and hike. Yeah, there is a Segway tour that they're still doing. It's still available even during pandemic. You can hop、yeah. on a Segway and tour the area. And I can't believe I haven't done it yet. It takes you on like part of it is taking you on this little back road that kind of connects this resort to Wilderness Lodge. Yeah, and、uh, I can't believe I haven't done it yet. I saw where you can.、Um, I mean, obviously you can do marshmallows and stuff like that, but、uh, you can do like archery lessons. Yes,、sure、it's they, nuts. I mean, one of the other things they do is a like a sing along, like a campfire sing along,、mm-hmm. um, and that's closer to the Meadow Trading Post, kind of in, again like in the center of property. And、um, when we were there, I think it was our first time staying there.、Um, it was me and Nicole and Reba. More on Reba in a minute. She's the star of the show. Whenever we go to Fort Wilderness, we went out there and they sell, you know, marshmallow like s'more kits. You can buy the marshmallows,、mm-hmm. graham crackers, chocolate chips,、uh, chocolate squares. And they had a live performer there strumming on his guitar, playing music and stuff. And there's bleachers, and you kind of like sit around. It's like an、yeah. old timey, you know, out, out in the backwoods. Almost kind of looks like a circus, not in a、it's、weird a, way. Like yeah, they have like big the, trailers. It's and an stuff. open air. They say it's like an open air campfire theater. Yes, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, singing songs and stuff. And while we were out there, I don't remember if it was Chip and Dell or just one of them, but I'm pretty sure both were out there. We got a quick little meet and greet in.、Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that Nicole happened to know the person who was the character attendant that was there with Chip and Dell. So, like, you never know who you're going to run into when you're、yeah. hanging around Walt Disney World, which is nice. And it's cool. They have a little food truck out there, too, that kind of sells like fair style food, like mozzarella sticks, french fries. I'm not sure if they had burgers or not, but things like that, just like quick, quick serve stuff. That's right there, like a chuck wagon, if you will. Like they would probably yeah, would found, have、um, called it in the time. I just found something else kind of funny that they do. do you, have you seen Crockett's Craft Corner?、Uh, no. It's a like, wine they, and wood shop. And it's a wine and wood shop. I don't know if those things go together.、Oh. Uh, but basically, it <laughs> says take home a personal piece of magic from your visit with this crafty activity. And I guess either they used to do it or they still do it every Wednesday from one to three. You can participate in a custom wood painting piece of artwork. So it's wood painting.、Um, gotcha. And then it says it's two hour like craft, crafting or whatever, but it includes a beverage and light snacks. And guys, and if the woods is not your thing, they have an arcade. <laughs> or at least they, it's、yes. Daniel Boone's Wilderness Arcade. <laughs> I mean, this place literally has everything. There used to be a restaurant called Mickey's Barbecue. It has since closed. That had been、mm-hmm. closed and demolished as part of the construction for Reflections, a Disney nature resort, which Disney doesn't really say much about, but basically it's、right. at, the, at the least paused, if not canceled.、Yeah. A lot of people are saying it's canceled. We don't really know. We're only kind of assuming.、Um, let's talk about transportation for a second. So I did、um, post a question to everybody to see you know, those of us who have stayed at Fort Wilderness, what was your experience like? Um, all of my experience at Fort Wilderness was in a cabin or you know, the cabins.、Yeah. So I, I want to talk about that too. And a lot of our listeners or followers on Instagram had stuff to say about the transportation. And I feel like、oh. it's important to talk about this because it、mm-hmm. can be intimidating、um, when you get there、yes. and you're trying to navigate the bus system.、Um, just even the... when we went and we're trying to get to the Hoop Dee Doo review, we were like,、yes. what? Huh? What bus do you take? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So, the resort has an internal bus system as well as the normal bus system that would take you to the external places, the parks, Disney Springs, that kind of stuff. So, the let's call it the main bus area is in the front of the resort where the reception area is. So, not where the loops or the cabins or the campers are, it's up in the front. And the only way to get there is to take a bus. An internal bus. So there are bus stations throughout property, of course, you know, near ish to where your cabin or your site's going to be. So you get on the internal bus that takes you to the front of the park, to the front of the resort, and that's where you take the bus to get to wherever else you're going.、Yeah. So I will say, please allow yourself some extra time.、Yes. It really does put quite a strain on your park open arrival time frame. You know, like if you're trying to get there for park open, you really have to allow yourself some extra、mm-hmm. time. Obviously, if you're there with a car, It's a different story. You can just go, if that's your thing, if you want to go drive to the front, get on a bus or drive to the park directly, of course, this doesn't apply to you. But a lot of guests don't do that. They're there on, you know, 
without a vehicle. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. Um, if you're not sure where to go, if a bus comes up to your station by your site or if you're at the main thing, just ask the bus driver. Don't allow the system to intimidate you. They will be there to help you. Chances are they're going to ask you first to make sure that you're getting on the bus for the right reason because what they don't want to do is drive around a loop and you're on it the whole time and, and now they're like, well, where do I bring you? So you, normally they'll ask you where you're going and you tell them and they'll, they'll tell you if this is the right bus for you right. or not. I will tell you that a lot of uh, people responded with, if you can afford it, obviously, rent a golf cart or a Pargo or whatever you want to refer yeah, to it as. that would be nice. Um, that is a great way to navigate on your own time in your own little vehicle yeah. to get from either your site or your cabin to the main area, to Meadow Trading Post, to the settlement area where Pioneer Hall is. Basically, you get around property. They're really fun to do joy rides. I've yeah, never like, done or one. Or just drive around. <laughs> It is fun. So, like, I've never driven one um, at Fort Wilderness, but part of, like, my job uh, included operating a Pargo. They call it a Pargo. I, mm. I don't even know what the Pargo stands for, why, where that vehicle name comes from. But we happen to have an electric one where I worked. So, like, I drove it around quite a bit. And, like, anytime there was a, an excuse to hop on the Pargo, I did it because it's, like, yeah. a lot of fun. Like, it's yeah. basically an adult, go, like, mm -hmm. go-kart, but, like, not a go-kart. Right. Anyway, um, a lot of people recommend to me and then thus to all of us to, if you, again, if it's something you, it's, that's in your budget, rent that Pargo. The prices are actually listed on the Disney website. It's about 60 something dollars a, a day Ooh, to rent it. So don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's not exactly inexpensive. Um, if you're there with kind of a larger family, maybe you can get some, you know, split it. Or if you're there, sometimes people go with like their neighbors or like other people. I would say just maybe yeah. like split one if you know, like, because, you know, you can't fit the whole family mm -hmm. on it anyway. So if you need right. to do some quick run outs to get food and stuff, at least you got it you know, in your group there. Um, I probably have some more transportation tips coming up when I get to some overall um, resort tips. But the main point there is don't be intimidated by the transportation system. Do mm -hmm. your thing. Just ask and people will really help you. Some other tips I'll tell you is be aware of the checkout situation, specifically on Sunday. So a lot of families tend to travel, you know, where they're checking out on a Sunday. And obviously other days of the week are popular too, but that seems to be the biggest one, mm -hmm. especially people doing like weekender trips. And the checkout line, and when I say line, I don't mean at like, you know, the front desk because I really don't need to do that. I'm talking about the road to get out of Fort Wilderness property is backed up like a lot because a lot of people are trying to hitch or unhitch because you have the people checking in and the people checking out their trailers and uh, it's a process and it really can back up traffic on the main road. And we're talking like 20, 30 minutes or more sometimes of backup. So just... If you're the type of family that like sometimes can get out on the road early, maybe that's maybe kind of do that on your last day, kind of sacrifice that extra sleep so you're not kind of sitting there for a bit of time. Just be aware that if something that happens. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk about some pros and cons of staying at Fort Wilderness because, like I mentioned, Nicole and I have been lucky enough to do a cabin stay there. I think there four or five times just in the past three years or so. We didn't do it before we moved here. Um, because pretty much if we we're going to be here on vacation, we were staying in our DVC resorts or kind of navigating through the other ones. We right. never really got into Fort Wilderness until recently, and we love it. Uh, yeah. It is such a different vibe, and you're probably thinking to yourself, well, of course it's a different vibe. It's camp, you know, it's it's a camping vibe. It's Fort yeah. Wilderness, but it's so different. Every time we're there, it doesn't feel like we're on a Disney vacation, yeah. not in a bad way. We're there on like a different type of vacation that just happens to be close to the parks. Mm -hmm. So you get to do all your camping business, but then if you want to hop on a bus to go to Magic Kingdom, you can do it. And that's just like, right. that's nuts if you think about it. Um, one giant pro is no matter where you're staying on property, you're never sharing walls with other guests. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're it's going to be nice because you have yeah. your own space. Your own space. I mean, you really have your own dedicated, like marked off yeah. space. Whether you're in a camping lot, in a tent, in a trailer in a camper, a big RV, it's your space. No mm -hmm. one's coming into that space. And obviously, if you're in a cabin, it's the same thing. You have your own little driveway. You have the cabin itself. Um, in the cabins as well, um, they have, by the way, a full kitchen in there, which is really nice. Um, so you can cook all your food in there. But they also have a little like charcoal grill outside. You do have to mm -hmm. bring your own charcoal, but yeah. the grill is right there. So really, you're, you can stay in your own bubble, which is good regular times. It's especially good right now during the pandemic. Right as we continue to navigate through this, one of the best things about that resort right now is if you never want to talk to anybody or, you know, have to be close to somebody, you don't have to do it. Yeah. And that's, if that's your thing, good, because this is the yeah. place to be if that's something that, you know, you care about. 
Um, I, we love the ability to prepare our meals when we're staying in cabin. I understand that sometimes cooking makes it feel like less of a vacation and more of a regular night at home for some people. Yeah. However, if you are trying to remain cost effective with your food consumption, obviously preparing your own meal is going to be more mm -hmm. of a value than going out to a table service yeah. restaurant or even a quick service. Just depends on what's most important to you there. Um, it is a pet friendly resort. Obviously, if you're staying in your own trailer or tent or whatever, your own campsite, you can bring your pet. Um, obviously, there are rules on what pets you're allowed to bring. You can't bring your goat, but you can bring your dogs. And I think technically, I think I think you might not be allowed to bring your cats. Don't quote me on that, mm. but dogs are definitely allowed. Um, obviously, there are some costs depending on your, on, on the, the room. If you're getting a cabin, there is a cost associated with bringing your pet. You can bring up to mm -hmm. two dogs. And right now, it's currently $50 a night per night for up to two dogs. That adds okay. up pretty quickly. But you do get some nice swag, which I know I've talked about before. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to do um, when we go to Fort Wilderness is to go looping, which is uh, whether it's in your own car, if you are renting a uh, golf cart, is to just drive around all the loops and see what's going mm -hmm. on. Now, I'm not even necessarily talking about Christmas and Halloween season, which I'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. But there's like people just bring cool stuff to look at all the time right, um, right obviously you know from listening to me yap on about our dog reba she loves going for car rides mm -hmm. so she exhausts herself at this resort yeah. if nothing else we go to fort wilderness for reba it is i mean gr granted nicole and i have a so great she time she can get reba all the smells herself. all the smells that it's she wants so much well, I mean, you know, where we live, we don't really have nature trails here in our backyard, so to speak. Yeah. So when we go to the cabin, um, we get to just throw, her, you know, her leash on her harness and boom, we're out and like, you know, she gets to yeah. sniff like the, the pine needles and all the, like just all these things. Yeah. Also, she sniffs where all the other dogs have been doing mm -hmm. their business, but whatever. Um, it's just, it's, it's a really fun time for her and we get to um, drive around to all the loops. Now, when you go during Halloween season, people go nuts. They bring the decorations. We've talked about this a bunch. Yeah. If you go during Christmas season, turn that dial up even more because the people are bananas when it comes to yep. Christmas stuff. It's just so cool at night um, there for Christmas time. Do you think you'll ever, if you ever go for Halloween, would you ever dress Reba up in a costume? Yeah. She really doesn't like wearing things. And so like we have like a Halloween bandana that maybe we can get her to wear, yeah. but she's not a fan. I'd be she's dressing her up and parading her around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be really um, awesome if you could just dress her up as Reba. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm Reba. Like a cowboy hat and stuff. Mm -hmm. Get her a little, like some a little, little uh, redhead wig. Yes, and some boots. <laughs> oh my god! Everybody would know who she um, is. I I would like to think so. I um I I only have one con on my list of cons, and it is about transportation. Okay, so yeah, um, I don't want you to be intimidated by the system, but just know it is a system. It can't, it really can't get you anywhere fast. Yeah. basically. I mean, so we're talking patient, about seven hundred and fifty acres of property, people. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know? it's quite a large space, and they're doing their best, right? They're gonna yeah. they're gonna get you where you need to go, but the con is that because the resort is so spread out. It's not as efficient a bus yeah. system as yeah. others, right? So obviously at like your typical um, value resort where the resort is spread out, but you have to walk to the bus station. Um, here, you'd have to do a little less walking, but because of that, you're going to be on the bus a little bit. The internal mm -hmm. bus system is, is there, but like you just, just be patient with it. Just allow yourself some extra time because you're going to need that extra time. Mm -hmm. We've had plenty of experiences here. And um, uh, most of everything I had listed here, I've just kind of wound up talking about throughout this episode. But some some people really love staying at Fort Wilderness. And those are the type of people that make the trips fun for us because mm -hmm. you got to find them and see what they've done. Yeah. They have yeah. these big elaborate decorations. They have all these awesome like handmade or handcrafted like signs in there. I was going to say in their yard, but you know what I'm talking about, yeah. in the space outside their lots. Their unit. Um, we've seen guest-created parades. They all get together. They um, congregate in one area. They all have their golf carts like decorated out. And I'm not mm -hmm. even talking specifically at Christmas or Halloween because we saw yeah. one for Fourth of July weekend. That's another like, yeah, that's another big like parade uh, holiday. Like a lot of people do boat parades for Fourth of July. So yes. that's just like another. Yeah. So they all lined up in a cul-de-sac um, there on property, and then they were just going around honking. This was during the day, and like so you know, fun. as much as you want to be mad at them, yeah. just like going nuts honking is actually really funny mm -hmm. 
because like you we kind of like hear like you hear all this commotion we yeah. were just walking out of our cabin and we're like what is that and we couldn't we were in the middle of our loops so you can't really see the main yeah. road so we're like okay so we get up to the main road and then this this pargo parade comes out yeah. and all like these people are honking they're all like waving and everyone's having a great time and it just was yeah it's a cool experience i guess you could have your own like cocktails and stuff on there too so that's why they were probably having such I a mean, good time <laughs> drink, drink, it's kick, not kick technically drinking and driving i mean it's a golf cart you know what i mean yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, I don't know the exact rules on that because technically it's a vehicle. So sure, just there were some coolers. hide it, right? Put it yeah. in your, put it in yeah. your plastic. Put it in your, in your bag. water bottle, people. Yes. Just saying. So I put out that question to our followers: If you stayed at uh, Fort Wilderness before, how was your stay? Was it in a cabin? Was it in a tent? Was it in a trailer? And I'm so glad I did ask because I got some of the answers I was hoping for. So shout yeah. out to Mike who uh, talked about his experience in a tent because I've always wondered, yeah, w- like, just what is it, right? And I, yeah. and I was reacting emotionally to that because I was like, I've never been in a tent before. I just feel like mm. I have all these questions. And I was, okay, you know what? It's probably still safe because it is a Disney property resort. I feel like with that comes like a little bit of a feeling of, of uh, safety, mm-hmm. feeling of safeness. So um, I did have some follow-up questions for Mike. I'm thinking if I'm going to be in a tent... I need to know what season these people are staying in because if it's yeah. so hot, there's no air conditioning, right? I know. And there are certain times of the year where it's f- not as cold as other really parts cold. of the country. But yeah. it's still in the 40s. And yeah. like that's still cold when you're outside mm-hmm. overnight. So um, Mike said he was never really concerned with his personal belongings. Obviously, you're not like in a building or like right. your trailer with locked doors and stuff. Um, he said he wouldn't camp late spring through early fall, basically the hottest hot. parts of the season because it's just so hot there. Um, he did say that the bugs were were minimal at worst. Um, he says he's used to tent camping, but I asked him what the noise level was like because yeah. obviously with no walls to drown out the noise, what's that like? He said that he, although he's used to camp living where you can kind of hear more, he said is it is a little bit louder at Fort Wilderness than, than it is at other places he's been, which I mean it makes sense. Probably during the day a lot, I'm guessing more than more so than at night because people are also sleeping. Yeah. Um, he did say, though, although it was louder, he did love hearing the bus sounds, the fireworks, the water pageant, um, mm-hmm. all from the comfort of his air mattress. So I feel like yeah. if you kind of like that ambiance, like that background noise of the camp life, then I feel like the tent is for you. Yeah, I would never sleep. So uh, the tent <laughs> life. I mean, I, I don't mind camping. I grew up camping. But I need to be camping where there's like no one else around. Because <laughs> yes. I already can't sleep as Glamping. it is. Yes. Um, I when I, um, while working um, for Disney, I wound up talking to a family, or it was a couple, it was two guests, and I was picking them up at Fort Wilderness, and they were telling me about how they were there previously, and they couldn't find a night um, somewhere else, so they decided to buy a tent, yeah. drive down to Disney, and stay in a tent just for the one night, and then they transferred over to whatever resort yeah. they were looking to stay at. And they were telling me that it was in August. So I was like, let's Oof. stop right here. I have a million questions for you all. Yeah. And one of my questions was, how do you deal with the heat at night? Like, I just, I know personally, you know, August is just, it's just heat and humidity 24-7, right? So they were like, well, we had the type of tent where there was a hook at the top on the mm. inside and we can put a fan up there. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and you weren't worried about decapitation? That's all I would think about the entire <laughs> time was that the, the fan the was going to not only fall on me. But it would be continuing to spin, so I wouldn't even be crushed. I would be decapitated and then crushed. Yeah. yeah. And they said no. They basically made me feel like I was crazy. Yeah, if you've got some, like, if you've got moving air, you'd be surprised at actually how, like, even on a hot day, it could get a little cold. Like, I've camped at the beach before, and it's like, even even in the middle of the summer on the beach, like, it's it can still be a little cool at night. Um, if you say so. I mean, I'm just saying it is weird. It's just like in the middle of where that temperature drop is and it's 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 getting dewy outside and all those things. It can still be okay. a little cool. All right. um, ears to Disney said their cabin was amazing, peaceful and perfect, but transportation yeah. can be a little tedious. I bet those cabins are clutch, man. Oh, those cabins. They're beautiful. Man, they're so good. Yeah. They're so nice. Um, Adventures by Drennan, you know, mm-hmm. our old pal, Jen Drennan. Jen Drennan, who, um, who now has her own RV, so she's got a camper now. Yes, she's living the life. Um, she's living the life. One thing life. that she pointed out was in the cabins, which she stayed at before, she doesn't like that the bunk beds are in the same room yeah. as the main bed. Yeah. Mostly because maybe her boys are a little noisy sleepers, but if you do have noisy noisy kids when they're sleeping, yeah. noisy sleepers, 
um, you kind of confined yeah. in that one area. And I mentioned that when we stayed there, I found out the bed is not the normal length because yeah. I don't, my mattress topper didn't fit. Anyway, keep that in mind. Um, John, who we've had on before from um, John Meets World with mm-hmm. uh, his wife Peyton on our cast yep. member chat episode. He's done, he, like he and his wife are Mr. and Mrs. Fort Wilderness. It seems like they love camping. They yes. have they have the Airstream, so they're all about it. He loves biking around property, um, golf, uh, golf cart looping, which we talked about, driving around all the different yeah. loops, movies under the stars. And I know every resort has them, but I feel like it's a little bit different at Fort Wilderness because you're already like, in the middle yeah. of nature it feels like yeah. and you're on so like it's kind of kind of nature goulet yes I love um he loves the barn out there you know the tricycle d ranch and the boat service to either magic kingdom or the other resorts in the area so a uh, shout out to everyone and there was more that i didn't get to uh, that i didn't mention but everyone kind of have the same concept people love the cabins they find them quiet peaceful and relaxing people love the camping nature vibe at fort wilderness just Keep in mind, transportation system, just be patient with it. It will get you mm-hmm. where you need to go. Just give yourself some extra time. That was a lot. It's a lot and of that, information. A lot of information. Yeah. But hopefully you're walking away with this, getting a little bit more oriented with what life is like mm-hmm. staying at Fort Wilderness. Because I'll tell you, it is unlike any other Disney resort mm-hmm. in just the vibe of the resort alone. I'm telling you, you're going to have a different experience there yeah, than any time. other Disney resort. Well, shout out to Stephanie over at World Traveler mm-hmm. Trading. Um, at this point, her birthday, birthday sale, sale is uh, just wrapping up. Um, but it's not too late. If you still want to save a little bit of money, you can still use our special code. That Park Life. Save yourself some money on key fobs, custom dog collars, and all kinds of things available there. All right. Now we get to do our normal thing where we go back in time and talk about some Disney history. All right, you want to kick us off? I'm going to go all the way back to 2004 when the Earl of Sandwich Shop opens at Downtown Disney Marketplace. Uh, I didn't know what the backstory was, so that's what I thought was interesting. So it says the shop's name honors British Naval Officer John Montague, who was the fourth Earl of Sandwich, who is credited with inventing the sandwich in 1762. Montague's living descendant, the 11th Earl of Sandwich, John Montague, and his son, Orlando, collaborated with Robert Earl, founder and chief executive officer of Planet Hollywood, to create the shop. Hmm. So I just didn't know all that about the... I was like, Earl of Sandwich? I don't really know what that is, but... And I guess the sandwich was invented in 1762, and the more you know. (laughs) The more you know. I've eaten there once, and the sandwich I had was good. Yeah, uh, that's on my list of, like places that i wanted to try i think they have a really good breakfast sandwich they have like a turkey mm. and dressing like cranberry or whatever sandwich that i'm like mm, your girl wants to try that too so your girl definitely want to check it out mm-hmm. i'll what take you got? us back to 2012 mm. and it is something that i wish i wish they would do they did not do it in 2016 they did not do it in 2020 mm. but this week in the year 2012 magic kingdom mm. park opened at 6 a.m in celebration of leap day a 24-hour event called One More Disney Day. It was the first time in the history of all parks that both Magic Kingdom and the Disneyland Park were operating for 24 hours at the same time. So it was a big deal. It was a yeah, coast-to-coast pretty cool. 24-hour party. And to commemorate the event, Disney handed out special Mickey ear hats to the first 2,000 guests who entered the park. It ran from wow. February 29th, 6 a.m. through March 1st, yeah. 6 a.m. So a full 24-hour period. And I probably would have hated it if I worked there, but as a guest, I would have, I would have loved it. Yeah, we actually had cool. planned a trip um, for that time, this around this time in 2016, hoping that they would do it, and they wound yeah. up not doing it. And mm. not that we were bummed, but like we were like, oh, it would be so yeah. cool to go in there. Um, I wouldn't stay there for 24 hours, but I wanted to know what it would be like to be there at like three in the morning. Oh yeah, you know, like just for like sure. Crazy, yeah, random middle of the night times, and uh, it didn't happen. But that was uh, nine years ago now crazy um of course i got a quote to end our episode as usual today if you're not already doing so you can follow us on instagram at that park life podcast you can follow my personal instagram account at the disney greg and i am at the healthy hot mess if you liked what you heard today feel free to like subscribe head over to itunes leave us a review over there we Mm -hmm. do greatly appreciate it And every review that happens there allows us to move up a little bit in the ranks of Disney podcasting. Yeah. 
Um, of course, if you want to send a magic ram, we are still doing those. You can still request one. It is free for you, free for your recipient. Just a way to send a little bit of Disney love to someone you know that needs it. Because I feel like we all need a little more Disney. Just a in little our whoop whoop and a hey hey. It's like we like let's what a we like whoop, to say. Whoop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little Disney. Mm -mm. If you want us to send a free fart, we'll send one of those too. <laughs> I will kidding. find a way to send a free <laughs> fart. You just, I will figure it out. All right. So uh, today's quote comes to us from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Caribbean, oh. Caribbean, whatever. Pirates of the Caribbean movie, of course, your Caribbean. boy Jack Sparrow, who says, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. <laughs> and I'm sure that can be applied to something you've all got going on mm. in your life right now. Just think about it. Just think, what would Jack Sparrow do? And then maybe don't do that thing. And maybe in another way, one of your parents have said this to you at some point in your life, and you're like, ugh, yeah. shut <laughs> up. Ugh. Here we go again. Oh. All right. Well, that is all for us this week. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be back next week and every week because you can't get rid of us. That's uh, right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. I think saying you can't get rid of us is the perfect threat <laughs> that I want to put out to the audience. Guys, you cannot get rid of us. <laughs> We're the herpes of the Disney podcasting world. There is a cream for that, but it ain't going to work.